You are listening to a three-week teaching series from Jubilee Church entitled Living Stones. This series looks at 1 Peter 2 to learn about the type of community Jesus wants to build through local churches. If you would like more information about Jubilee Church, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Okay, we're, we're going to continue in our series Living Stones where we're taking a look at uh, really what the community uh, of God is meant to look like, what the church is meant to, to look like. And, and these last week and this week and, and next week, are, they're, they're a message series that are so closely connected, uh, more so than most series, that really hearing all of them is, is important. So if you missed last week, uh, go back and, and, and check that one out. But what we talked about was that, and we read in the passage today, that as you come closer to Jesus, you come closer to other people. It says, as you come to him, what Jesus does, as you draw near to Jesus, and this is a present progressive meaning it's, it's always happening. As you're continuing to go to Jesus, what he's continuing to do is to build you tighter and tighter and tighter into a community of people, brick upon brick, life upon life, mortared together by his Holy Spirit, which means if you're not being progressively built into a community of believers, the scriptures are saying you're not coming closer to Jesus, because that's what he does. When you come to him, he builds you into community. Um, it says in Acts, that as, Acts that as, you are, as we are saved, he's, we're also added. So we're, we're, saved in his, uh, we're saved by Jesus, and then we're added into the community of Jesus. That's what he wants to do. And this is, his, this is our purpose. Our purpose, what God is doing on earth, is he's building a community. That's why when Jesus came on the scene, he said, hey, look, I am building a new city, uh, a new flock. Uh, I am building my church, my congregation. And when I build my congregation, not even the gates of hell will prevail against us. And in 1 Peter 2, declares that this is a people of his own possession. This is what God is doing big picture. He's gathering a family to himself. He's gathering a community to himself. And he wants you to be a part of this. And so when we introduced this idea last week about how important this community is, one of the aspects of this community, it's very cohesive. Um, we, the church is to be this highly communal community. And one of the words that the Bible uses to describe this community is fellowship. Now, fellowship isn't what you do. It's not having a potluck in a church basement. That's not what fellowship is. Uh, what fellowship, the, the word means partnership. It means joint venture. That what God wants us to, uh, 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 to experience amongst each other is, is partnership. It's, it's, we're, we're together in on things. Uh, and, and in a partnership, if the partnership is doing well, you're doing well. And if a partnership isn't doing well, you're not doing well. That's why Paul says to the Corinthians that when one mourns, we all mourn. And when one rejoices, we all rejoice. Why is that? It's because we have fellowship. That we have this partnership. That we're together in something. And that's what he wants to build in. So we're not called to be a collection of bricks that gather on a Sunday morning. We're called to be a spiritual house. Uh, we're not called to be these isolated, unrelated body parts, dismembered, but we're to be one body, uh, working together in fellowship as a partnership, um, not just for the good of me, but for the good of we. And this is something picked up big time by uh, all throughout the Bible, but particularly the New Testament writers uh, and, and one of the key guys on this is first uh, is the uh, the apostle John, um, and in First John one three he says this. 
to that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you. So this is what he's saying. He's like, hey, when we walked on earth with Jesus, we heard some things and we saw some things and we want to proclaim these things to you. And this is what it, he says. He says, he says, and we say and proclaim these things to you so that you too may have fellowship with us, that you too may have partnership with us. And then check out what he says here. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his son, Jesus Christ. In other words, that this relationship we have, this partnership we have with Jesus, this oneness that we have with Jesus is very, very closely related to the partnership and fellowship that we have with one another. It's, it's, it's what he's driving home. In fact, toward the end of that, that letter, he says in chapter 4, verse 20, he says, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he, does, for he who does not love his brother... Whom he cannot see, uh, who he has not seen, um, excuse me, Doo-doo-doo. for he who, is not, who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And so what he's saying here is, and I, I know no one here would say, oh, I hate my brother. No one would walk around, well, maybe some of it, but no one would say that explicitly. But, but what he's saying is like, if you're not actively seeking to love, if you're not actively seeking to be one in, in fellowship and partnership, how could you say that you have partnership with God if you don't, that, uh, that you don't see, if you don't actively seek and love your brother whom you do see? And Jesus, one of his dying, his dying prayer uh, before he went to the cross, he kneel, he's kneeled before the Father and says, Father, I pray that you make them one, just as you and I are one. So this, this fellowship that, that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, this connectedness, this, this preferring, this honoring of each other, um, this oneness that they experience, his prayers, this same oneness would be reflected in, his, in this community. He's building a house. He's building us life upon life, uh, put together by his Holy Spirit. So this is why we share everything. We, we want to share our time. We want to share our money, our hopes and dreams, as well as our insights and disappointments and our struggles. We share our homes. We share decisions. We share our lives because we have this fellowship. So we're called to be this highly uh, cohesive uh, community, but we're also called to be inclusive, which is what I want to chat about today, that we're called to be uh, built in community, but we're also called to be builders of community, that we've been saved by the light, but we're also called to be light, that we're called to be the city, but a, a city on a hill, that we've been invited into something, but we're also called to be the inviters into that something. And how we do that is something that uh, the Bible calls hospitality. Um, and hospitality, believe it or not, is a very big uh, idea and deal in the scriptures. Now, for you and I, hospitality seems kind of wimpy because of the English word. I mean, when you think of hospitality, what do you think of? I think, I think of Martha Stewart. I think of like wearing an apron and, and serving muffins and like that's what hospitality is. And so it's kind of like, well, how's hospitality going to save the world? And uh, how are muffins and aprons going to save the world? Um, but actually, what the Bible speaks of is much, much bigger than that. In Deuteron- it's all throughout the scriptures. In Deuteronomy, it says this. Um, it says, for the Lord your God uh, is, is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, the awesome God, who is not partial and he takes no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Love, therefore, love the so- sojourner, the traveler, in other words. Therefore, 
uh, because you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. So here's what he's saying. He said, hey, you guys were in in Egypt all this time, and you are aliens and strangers in this foreign land, but I clothed you, and I fed you, and I brought you into a land that was not your own. I showed you hospitality. I showed you physical and actual hospitality, but I also showed you spiritual hospitality. Because I showed hospitality to you, you go and show hospitality to others. And the New Testament writers pick up on this big time. Romans 12, 13 says, contribute to the needs of the saints. Meaning like, man, continue to love your brothers and seek to show hospitality. Which is not this kind of reactive thing, but it's a very proactive thing. I want you to be on the lookout. I want you to seek opportunities to bring people who are on the outside, to bring them on the inside. The writer of Hebrews says this, let brotherly love continue. Hey, keep doing the cohesive thing. Keep loving each other. Keep doing fellowship. Don't give up on that. Continue doing that. But do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. Keep being cohesive, but don't forget to be inclusive as well. In fact, hospitality is such a big deal in the New Testament that's one of the elder requirements. Uh, to, to one of the elders kind of set the DNA of the church. They kind of set the pace and, and how a, a church is meant to function. And one of the things that the New Testament writers knew is that hospitality has to be in the very DNA of the church. And if it's going to be in the DNA of the church, they made it one of the requirements of being uh, an elder is that you would be someone who is hospitable. And and it was actually, it was like Christianity 101. Uh, Back then, uh, uh, to, to give the widows who received the daily distribution of bread, it was something that they only did within the community uh, the daily distribution just went to those inside of the church. And so it's like, how do we know who's in the church and who's not in the church? Well, here's how, one of the ways that you know that someone is actually in the church is if they're given to hospitality. The proof that somebody has received the cosmic hospitality of God, they'll be given to hospitality. And it's just so wired into that. So what is the definition uh, of Christian hospitality? Well, it's possessing both the attitude and the practice of turning strangers into friends. It's the attitude. Uh, it's the bent. It's, the, it's, the, it's this kind of, uh, you're just set. You're just looking. You're, you're seeking. You're, you're open to the idea that you're going to welcome people in. So it's, it's in your posture. It's in your demeanor. It's in, it's in how you look at life. It's in how you look at your schedule. You're just thinking like, in my life, in my schedule, one of the things that I'm doing, one of the things I'm going to work with in my life is I am going to be someone who welcomes people who are on the outside onto the inside. The second, um, so it's the attitude, but it's also the practice. And so it's the practice of bringing people into your living space. And so bringing people into your home, and it may not just be your home, because maybe, you, maybe you, um, you're thinking like, well, you know, if I, I, my home isn't where I spend most of my time. Uh, it could be a favorite restaurant. It could be an activity. Uh, but, I mean, what home really means is that place where you feel relaxed, where you go to recharge your batteries. And so what this is saying is that um, in doing hospitality, you want to, you're inviting people into that place that you feel recharged. And you're, you're, taking to that pla- you're taking people to that place that you feel recharged so that you can recharge others. You're, you're inviting people in. You're not do- hospitality isn't like you can only come this far. It's, bringing, it's welcoming people into your life, wherever that is. Because what Jesus did, he didn't welcome us in kind of halfway, but he let us come in all the way. So we do that with others. So where do you feel relaxed? 
Where could you bring? Is it in your home? Is it uh, an activity? Um, bring people into that activity. Bring people into that place where you feel recharged. And by the way, this is expensive and time-consuming. Which is why in 1 Peter 4, 9, he says, Do hospitality without grumbling or complaining. Why, why w- might you be grumbling or complaining when you do hospitality? Because it's expensive and it's time-consuming. It means that you kind of have to rearrange your life to fit this thing in. It means you have to change how you, you may have to change how you live. So, number one, it's an attitude and a practice. But secondly, hospitality is targeted at strangers. Uh, the Greek word for hospitality is philoxena. Um, philo, philo means love. So we all know the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia. Love for brothers. Philadelphia is love for brothers. In fact, in Hebrews 13, it says that. It says, let brotherly love continue. Let Philadelphia continue. Do not neglect philoxena. Philoxena is love of strangers. Continue to love brothers, continue Philadelphia, but continue to love strangers, continue to do Philoxena. It means that we love people who are, who are strange to us, who are outside of us, who are, who are not maybe like us, of different race, different culture, different age, different background, different preferences, different political parties, different people, just strangers, people outside of our circles. We bring them inside of our circles. So three people that you can do hospitality. Number one, you can do hospitality to other Christians. Now you may think, like, well, Brian, they're not strangers. Well, I know some pretty strange Christians. And so we, um, here, and what I mean by that is, that was a joke. So what I mean by kind, well, actually it wasn't, you know, that's why it's funny. And so we, uh, let's be honest here. So we, um, here on Sunday morning, I mean, not everybody here who's on Sunday morning is a part of the fellowship, who's a part of the partnership who's a part of the joint venture that we're on together, locking arms and arms, and we want it to be that way in all of our locations, that's true. There are people here who are not yet apart. They're, they're in a sense, strangers to us. And we it, look, be on the lookout for people who are new to how you can invite them in, because we want them to be invited. And I have a little graph for you, uh, if we could show that. So what, what God calls us into together, he calls us into this tight circle, this fellowship circle, this partnership circle that represents the, the connection that we have with him, we have it with each other. But what, we want, what we're wanting to do is to, is to invite people into that fellowship and how we invite people that in is that we have a posture of, of hospitality. We're, we're, we're seeking to grow, we're seeking to be uh, cohesive, but we're also seeking to invite people in and invite people in because that's what Jesus did. I, I've, left, I've left the 99 to go get the one to bring them back into. And we're, we're those who go out and seek and, and have our lives open and our wallets open and our calendars open to invite many people into what we're doing. So one is Christians. Secondly is neighbors. Uh, neighbors at home, neighbors at work, inviting them to share a meal, share your life. Jesus just didn't preach at people, but he ate with people, and he was friends with people. And the reason why he did that is because people aren't argued into the kingdom. They're not argued into belief as much as they are loved into belief. They're not even preached into belief. The way that uh, lots and lots of people come to know the love of Jesus isn't through persuasive words, but it's through persuasive lives. It's through love and you, all of us together, being inspired to show hospitality, to multiply hundreds and even thousands of people, to love them uh, to Jesus because that's what he showed us. He was willing to eat 
meals with people. He was called the friend of sinners. Third is needy people. Uh, so we want to, we want to, we want we can do hospitality to the people that we don't know who come here on Sunday mornings. We can definitely do hospitality to our neighbors, and we can do uh, hospitality to needy people. Luke fourteen twelve through fourteen says this: When you, Jesus is saying, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they invite you in return. That would be terrible. Isn't that kind of the point? Scratch my back, you. I'll scratch yours, you scratch mine. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Why? Because they cannot repay you. At least not in this life, because it says, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Now, it's really helpful to understand kind of the historical context here. And this was a very hierarchical society, which means uh, that that it was a completely class stratified society. Um, a way of a way of society, and the only way to get things done is to if you knew certain people, if you knew people who are in a higher class than you, and so the way that you became friends and, and built your network uh, is through hospitality. So this was just a common thing that people would show hospitality to people people that they can do, that can uh, that they can get favors from, um, and so Jesus is kind of completely trashing this system of in only inviting people who could um, kind of, you know, do something for you. And so he says, do hospitality in a way that offers you nothing in return. And and it's worth mentioning that what Jesus isn't saying here, he's not saying literally, don't invite your family, don't invite your friends. He's not saying, hey, you know, when you're a Christian, you know, when you become a Christian, like send out an email to all your friends and family and say, hey, sorry, you can't come over anymore. Um, You know, I'm a Christian now and I'm trying to like live this out. And so you can't come over. Um, He's not literally saying that. It's kind of like when he says in the, in, in the scriptures, he says, unless you hate your mother and your father, you cannot be my disciple. What he's not saying is you actually have to hate your mom and your dad. That's not what he's saying. Here's what he's saying. He's saying your devotion to me has to be so intense and so much higher than anything or any person, even your mother and father, that that your devotion to me in comparison, uh, or your devotion to your mother and father in comparison to me is going to look like hate. That's how intense your devotion to me needs to look like. And, and so uh, what Jesus is saying here is that it isn't so much that you literally should never invite your friends and family over. Uh, but when it comes to hospitality, your preference, the number one person on your invite list needs to be someone who can't pay you back. Uh, it needs to be the one who's outside of your circle of comfort, not those who are inside of, not those who would add bi- value to your life. What, not those, you don't invite people in to comfort you and to recharge you, although that's important too. But primarily what you want to do is you want to take those who are discouraged. You want to take those who are, uh, in, who are not comforted and you want to bring them into your comfort and charge them. Why would you do that? Because you love them and because... Uh, you want to reflect what Jesus has done for you by just indiscriminately loving people, which is kind of the third point. The third point is that you do hospitality. You, you, it's, a, it's an attitude. It's a bent. It's a practice. It's, uh, it's directed towards strangers primarily. And then thirdly, so that God can turn some of them into brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, one of the things that's really helpful to understand when it comes to discipleship, or excuse me, hospitality and friend making 
is to understand the sovereignty of God, that he knows us better than uh, we know us. Uh, He knows what we need better than we know what we need. And it's so much better that if you kind of flow in the rhythm of God's sovereignty, then try to presume that you know best. And this is so true in hospitality and fun making. There's a little, if you have this in your home, I apologize, but there's this little uh, quote that you see in a lot of homes that say, friends are your chosen family. Here, you know, just like this really like emotional, oh, just, just my friends are just like my family, but I got to choose my friends. And um, it's true that your friends are chosen, but the best ones are chosen by God. And let me explain that. Don't trust yourself um, to know how to pick your, your own friends. You don't know enough about yourself to do that, and you don't know enough about other people to do that. Um, but if you learn to do hospitality indiscriminately, that's regularly showing privilege to strangers and neighbors and people, if you regularly just kind of indiscriminately love people, the, the scriptures are saying that uh, what you're going to find out is that God is the true host of that hospitality. There's this strange verse in Hebrews 13 that I've already mentioned. I only said the first part of it, but I'll say the second part of it. It says, let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Ooh, you know, just kind of spooky, like what's going on there? And what's happening there, it's referencing a couple times in Scripture. Uh, one was in the life of Abraham. You can read about this in Genesis 18. That, that Abraham brings these three strangers in and shows hospitality to them. And two of them ended up being angels. And the other one was the Lord himself. And then on the road to Emmaus, the two disciples are walking, and they, and they invite this stranger in, and, and they give him something to eat. They show him hospitality, and it ended up being the Lord himself. So what happens when we invite someone, a neighbor into our home? What happens when we invite people into our space that we don't do it to get a favor? We don't do it to recharge our batteries. We don't do it for our benefit. We don't do it to add value of our life. But we just do it to love people. We love people indiscriminately out of obedience to Jesus, knowing that he invited us in. What happens when we do that? Well, sometimes angels show up, even the Lord himself. There's something supernatural that happens And maybe this is a lot for some of us here. There's something supernatural that happens that when we submit to what God wants to do in our life, not what we want to do in our life. And if you're always choosing, if you're always picking who you're going to do hospitality with, angels aren't going to show up, God's not going to be a part of that, you'll be the one driving the ship and it'll be a bad deal. But if you're open enough and if you're humble enough to see that God, Man, I want God to host this thing. I want God to do something because I don't know myself. I don't know my neighbor. I don't know what they're going through. I don't even know what my life is headed to. But I'm going to trust. I'm just going to love people indiscriminately. And I'm not going to try to choose whom, who I befriend. I'm not going to ch- so much choose who I'm going to do hospitality with. But I'm just going to trust that if he's put this person next to me in my life, if he's put this neighbor, somehow he has something in that for me. And this person who I work with, I'm just going to love them, even though I, they're not the ones I would choose, they're not the ones I would pick, but God's put him, them in my life sovereignly. I'm just going to love them indiscriminately. You're going to find that God's the real host of that hospitality. And what he's going to do, he's going to do something profound, and he's going to he's gonna show up. And some of those people that you do hospitality with, he's going to, something's going to click. And they're going to be brought into faith because you did your part in indiscriminately loving people. And he did his part by touching their heart, by um, bringing them close to themselves. 
there's something that, that God said to Paul in Acts 17. He, Paul was being very discouraged, and he comes alongside Paul, and he says, hey, don't be discouraged, for I have many in this city. Man, if God says something, I'm, I'd be like, who? Tell me who, and I'll go tell him. But he doesn't do that. He just goes about and continues to indiscriminately preach the gospel, indiscriminately tell others about Jesus, indiscriminately invite people into hospitality. God has people in this city that he's choosing, that he is putting his sovereign hand upon. And we don't know who they are. We're not supposed to know who they are for some reason. But he just wants us to go out and love them indiscriminately. And as we go and do that, I don't know who they are, and you don't know who they are. And, and there's no reason for you to try to guess, but you're just going to love people that he's put around you, that he's put in your sphere of influence, the neighbors you have, the neighbors, that in, your, the neighbors in your neighborhood and the neighbors that you have at work, the people you go to school with, the people that you do stuff with. Just be open to God being sovereign and go about that indiscriminately. A couple other um, applications in doing hospitality. I talked about inviting people over. Maybe new people you see here, invite them into your home. Talked about um, inviting uh, your, your neighbors over, doing hospitality with them. Some other ideas, you could host a small group, host a community group. Uh, we have, there are lots of people who are not yet a part of, of community, and we want to we build community uh, in St. Louis, in Washington, at the lake. We want to build these communities, and one of the key ways for that happening is in community groups. And we need lots of open homes. We need lots of open lives. And so you can host a, a community group. You can host a party in your neighborhood. Maybe you don't know your friend, or excuse me, your neighbors very well. And one of the things that you can do is you can host a party uh, in your neighborhood. And these are really great, especially if you're in a new neighborhood. Uh, uh, one of the things that happened with one of Jesus' disciples named Matthew, I think this is in Luke 5, is that when he, he was a tax collector, and when he became a Christian, the first thing he did, he invited all of his tax collector buddies over to his house, and then he invited Jesus and the other disciples. And they had this party, and many people, you know, the, his, his non-believing friends got to meet his believing friends, and God did something in that. You can throw a party in your neighborhood, host, show some hospitality, and throw a party so that they could, some of them may meet Jesus. You could be an usher, a greeter, work in the info booth, Jay kids checking. You can be, do hospitality here on Sunday morning, in other words. You can have a position of hospitality. Or the other thing you can do, which is something we can all do, is you can treat this place like it's your place. Because it is your place. Um, and when, you're at, when someone gets invited into your home, you're, you're not, you're, when you see someone new, that walk, you're not like, you know, hey, just kind of fend for yourself. You're like, hey, is there anything I can do to help you? Do you know where... Do you know where to take your kids? Do you know where, you know, do you know the restrooms are? How can I, can I get you a seat? Are you new? Can I, can I talk, you know, let's talk together. Let's get to know each other. So you can just treat this place like your home. The other thing you do is when we do the meet and greet, like we do that in the, in kind of in the middle of service, you can mean it. Um, you can like actually like, hey, like I want to like um, <clears throat> get to know you. And so uh, not just kind of run through the motions until you, it's time for you to sit back down. Um, you can give generously. Uh, we we want to do whole church hospitality. I mean, that's kind of the big idea of the church, is that we are building this cohesive community, but we're also wanting to build this inclusive community where we can, um, we can win many, many people. And so you can give generously. Um, you can be involved in corporate hospitality. Um, let me, can we go back to that um, graph picture? Um, 
that in our groups, we want to build in, in our community groups, we want to build in these rhythms of fellowship and hospitality. And what I mean by that is we're going to come together and do things that make us one, that make us make the partnership richer, make the oneness richer, make the fellowship richer. Those are things like reading the Bible together, studying the Bible together. Um, that's things like praying together, praying for each other, worshiping, worshiping God, uh, communion, breaking bread, sharing meals. There are things that we can do to like make the fellowship um, more, into, and we want to do those things. Those are very important to do. But we also want to do the kind of, we want to build in the rhythm of our community groups things that are hospitable, meaning like where, every, where everybody feels uh, welcomed in. And when you have a guest in your house, I don't know what your hospitality is like. When we have guests over, if we're playing cards and our guests don't like cards, we don't play cards. Are you tracking with that? I mean, it's like simply, just like if we're playing. We don't know, like, hey, you want to come over? Oh, you like cards? No, well, too bad, because we're playing cards. And then, like, they go stay over in the corner. That's not what happens. And so, like, if you're, if, so, because some of us really like the fellowship stuff. We like getting in the word, and we like those things, but kind of like, why are we monkeying around with, you know, having chips and guacamole? Well, it's not for chips and guacamole's sake. It's because we've come over, and our guests, they're not yet into the things that we're into. So we want to be hospitable because God was hospitable to us. When he died for us, not when we figured it out, but when we were dead in our sins and had no inkling of spirituality in our body. So when people come up, we want, to have, we want to have rhythms of hospitality in our groups. And some of us like hospitality but don't like the fellowship part. We don't like the oneness part. And, and maybe that's where we have to grow. And some of us don't like any of it. But, and we, all, we have to grow in those things too. But here's the big deal. The big deal is like, where do we get the motivation for this? Because some of this stuff is really difficult. If we really hear what the scriptures are telling us, uh, the implications for our lives in, in being built into community and in being builders of community are massive. They mess with our dollars. They mess with our schedules. They mess with what, we, what makes us comfortable. They just mess with our lives. So some of us, I mean, just the idea of being in community just doesn't, we're not into that. We're not, we're into doing what we want to do. We're not into like, join. why would I join myself to the success of someone else? And really, why would I join myself to the failures of someone else? Well, for one, Jesus did that for you. He took on your failures and he gave you his victory. That's one reason. But so that kind of rubs at us. So the, being this kind of cohesive community really challenges us. But on the other hand, being this inclusive community really challenges us. Because some of us really love the, you know, the high fives and the, and the togetherness. And we've got our four and no more. And we're, we're in, we've got this little regular time that we do together. But we're not really, we don't really like to invite people into it because it kind of messes it up a little bit. It messes up. We were wanting to play cards. And now we can't play cards anymore because we've got these other people over here. But it, so it really messes with our rhythms. It means that we have to change how we live. It means we have to change how we spend. It has big implications. And let me just say this about big picture, about the scriptures. If all the Bible ever does to you, in reading the Bible and hearing sermons, if all it ever does is affirm the way that you're living already, I am telling you, you're not reading it right. The Bible actually will sometimes encourage you. Sometimes it is an encouragement, like, it's just like, yeah, you're going in the right direction. You're not crazy for doing what you're doing. 
See here, like if we, give, if, we, if we let go of this life and we let go of temporal possessions and we give it to his local church and we build his kingdom, we're going to have uh, a kingdom built. Uh, we're going we're to build up treasures in the, in the kingdom of heaven. You're not crazy for giving. Sometimes we need to be affirmed in those things. But a lot of times we're discouraged by the Bible before, before we're encouraged by the Bible. Um, in fact, Revelation talks about when we consume this, it's, it's, it's like it's almost bitter to our stomach. I just want to say, like, because I think on this issue, if, if, if I'm being clear enough and the scriptures are being clear enough, these are, these are concepts that we're really going to have to wrestle with. And I want you to wrestle with it. I don't want you to come up, up against something and be like, I don't like that, and then go in the other direction. There's a lot of things you're not going to like if you read it right. But what I want you to do, and this is what's great, we want to have an environment of grace together where it's not like we're just pointing, but we're like, we're trying to wrestle with what this says because what we fundamentally believe, we fundamentally believe that the best life ever was the one that Jesus lived. That's what we fundamentally believe. And all of these things that we're talking about in coming together and being cohesive, Father, I pray that they are one just as you are. In coming together to be that cohesive unit, that's going to challenge us and we're going to have to wrestle with that. And for some of us who says, hey, I've, I've not called them to stay in the world, but I want to send them out into the world to, to invite people in just as you know, I've invited people in with my life. That's going to challenge us and we're going to have to, it's going to mean big implications that we're going to have to wrestle with. And I just want to encourage you to don't run away from that, but to wrestle with it. But here's the key thing. How are we going to get the motivation to ever do this? Well, here's the thing. If you, if you come out of here and be like, oh, okay, I'm going to do better. I'm going to schedule hospitality. I'm going to schedule this and I'm going to do this. I'm going to white knuckle. I'm, you're just one of those type A people. Look, it's just, it's, that's not going to last. Here's why we should do this. Um, 1 Peter 2.10. Once you were not a people. Once you were not a people. But now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy. Now you have received mercy. Here's how you, you, how, this is how we can all be constantly be built in community and be builders of community is if by daily looking to Jesus, looking what he did for, for us and believing what the gospel says by reminding all of us, reminding ourselves that we are all once strangers. We are all once on the outside. We we're all once not included. We were, we were once those who had not received mercy, but now we have received the mercy of God. How did that happen? Well, Jesus experienced the very opposite of what the Bible speaks about when it comes to hospitality. Hospitality is taking someone on the outside and bringing them on the inside. Jesus was on the inside, but he was forced outside the city gate, as it says in Hebrews 13. And we did not give him a feast out there, but we gave him our fist. We, we did not wash his feet, but we nailed his feet to the cross. Sin had banished us from our true home in heaven. That because of sin, we were cut off from the fellowship of God. We had no hope, and we were on a one-way track to judgment. But Jesus, with his own life, interrupted that. And instead of getting judgment, we got mercy. He went on the outside so that we can come on the inside. He gave up his home so that we could reclaim ours. And on the cross, he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was forsaken so that you and I may never, ever be forsaken. 
And if you remember that, if you remember that he was the one who went outside so that you can come inside day after day after day, it will motivate you to be the kind of person to indiscriminately show hospitality to everyone you see. Because every day when you see someone on the outside, you'll remember that you were once like that. And Jesus, out of grace and mercy to you, went outside and got you. And now you can be those just like Jesus to leave your circle of comfort. There, there is no more comfortable place than heaven. He left heaven and he came to earth and he went to the cross outside the city so that those of us who were the banished ones can kind of come back, not kind of, fully come back in. Will you remember that? If you remember the hospitality that Jesus has shown you, you'll be motivated not in a, I better do this kind of thing, but in a healthy, like, I am excited to do this. I want to do this. I'm so excited about what Jesus has done. It wouldn't make sense if you're like, I am so excited what Jesus did for me. I want to do it. Nobody else. I think it make any sense. What does other people's problems have to do with me? I've got, some, I've got a life to live. What does Jesus, what does your sin have to do with Jesus? Nothing, except that he bore the responsibility for it. And when we're motivated that way, we're like, ah, yes, of course. I forgot, but I'm going to remind myself of what Jesus did for me so that I can go out and do that for other. What if we all did this? Well, here's, here's the picture that Jesus gives us. He went to the disciples, says, I am going to make you fishers of men. I'm going to make you fishers of men. And here's our problem, because when we, in 21st century fishing, is one singular rod, one singular reel, one singular hook. And the key to that kind of fishing is timing and technique. But first century fishing knew nothing of that. First century fishing was a team sport, and it was with a net. And the, and the key to that kind of fishing was the, was the size and the strength of the net. And what Jesus is saying is, I want you to be a net. I want to build you into a net so strong and so tight that I want to then throw you out into the subcultures of the world. And because you are tight, because you are cohesive, I want to throw you out there not to catch one fish, but to catch whole schools of fish. And so the big idea for us to be this kind of community, these living stones, is to understand um, that we have got to be a strong, tight net. That we have to be cohesive for us to live out our identity. The very identity Jesus wants to build in is that we have to be together. We have to be tight. We, we need to be, have a big net. We need to have a strong net. We need to have a diverse net. And then to be willing to be thrown out into culture so that we can catch whole schools of different subcultures to, to invite them in. We have before us just amazing opportunities to, to walk in the very purpose. God has invited us into something amazing. The joy that we could have in seeing not just one or two people come in to know him, but the joy of seeing whole schools of fish come in. I just want to encourage us to, to look to him, to look to Jesus and say, Jesus, 
Will you change my heart? Will you, will you today, I want to be built into your community. And today, I want to leave here as a builder of community. Not because I'm going to go out and do it in my own strength. Because I know that's what you've done for me. I know that you, I was on the outside and you brought me in on the inside. Why don't you get out your communication cards?